those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Wicked witchcraft What's up, squibs? What? It's Dan Rhino Jessica Rhino and <laughs> I didn't call anybody a squib <laughs> It is a record to show Broomsticks and Butterbeer We're back Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets Chapter 10 Woo. Which I believe I mistakenly called Chapter 9 Chapter 10 when I promoted it on Facebook and social media. So join us for Chapter 10, The Writings on the Wall. The real Chapter 10. So Chapter 9 was The Writings on the Wall. And Chapter 10 is The Rogue Bludger. Yes. So what's up? We've got a rogue bludger. Citizen, I am Captain Obvious. Well, I don't know what that means. You do know, because you read the chapter. I did read the chapter. Uh, you want to talk about what happened at the end of the last chapter, though? Because at the la- end of chapter 9, we needed a book from the restricted section. We were going to make some polyjuice potion. We were going to sneak into the Slytherin common room, disguised as Slytherins. We were going to interrogate Draco Malfoy without him knowing that it was us. It was a very convoluted, very multi-stepped plan for a bunch of 12-year-olds, would you say? Yes. Yes, and I think at the beginning of this chapter we realize it's only going to get more complicated Mm -hmm. and time-consuming. Not only that, but we needed professor permission to even access the restricted section. And I kind of surmised who we might be able to talk into that. So Hermione turns on the charm in Chapter 10. She flatters Lockhart, uh, that is uh, Gilderoy Lockhart, into signing the permission slip for to enter the restricted section. And she does this by talking about Lockhart's two favorite things. His what book, his books, uh-huh. and himself. Uh, I thought it was going to be his hair and his eyes. I, I think that's part of himself, so I think he... Oh, okay. He, would, he wouldn't be able to uh, zero in on a body part that much without feeling like he was uh, doing uh, not enough justice to the other body parts. So he would just say himself and his uh, literary works. All right. I think. And after this happens, which is actually a lot easier than I think the boys had uh, surmised that it was going to be, the boys are more than ever convinced (coughs) that Lockhart is a moron. And Hermione just won't even hear it. She won't allow it. No. So Hermione just, even after all this evidence, she's just so starstruck that she can't get past what she's seeing right in front of her eyes with the the misstep in the classroom with the pixies which he learned from his mistake and he didn't repeat there have been no more live creatures in Mm -hmm. the classroom now he's stuck to reenactments of his books and his favorite acting partner harry potter right 
The great yeah. Harry Potter. A little little louder with the growl there, Harry. That's good, Harry. <laughs> I like how he pounces on him. Right. I was like, did he really though? Yeah, you can't do no. that. In, can't do that in t- 2018 when we're recording this podcast. No, no, even if it's for play. Yeah. Ah, the good old days. You could pounce, pounce on, on a student, student and <laughs> send him to the principal's office for a whooping. Oh boy. Yeah, the uh, thoughts of. Dan Rhino do not necessarily reflect Broomsticks and Butterbeer LLC. So we do get the book, and the recipe for the Polyjuice Potion is a little more involved than originally thought, right? At least more than the boys originally thought. Mm -hmm. I think Hermione had some suspicions that this would be complicated. But um, So what's it going to involve? It's not just going to involve just things we can get out of the science closet right no no i don't i don't think they have a science closet that's what that's just kind of what i envision it as okay you had that one closet you know in the in like the science room that just had like beakers and just like random you know things for experiments i actually cleaned the science closet out at the school i worked at a few years ago i just threw away so much junk and i like organized everything into boxes and Labeled? Did you label it? Oh, I labeled the heck out of it. And then no more than a couple months later, it was trashed again. Yeah. Yeah. Teachers. That seems uh, about right. Teachers tend to not be the tidiest of uh, professions. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I have to sub in a lot of different rooms. And some teachers, I go in and I'm like, oh, I can handle this. And some, I'm like, oh my god, I just, I just have to. I just They're have the to, exception to the rule, though. To make some some piles mm-hmm. because I can't even see the desk. Mm-hmm. I, is there a pen anywhere in this place? Like it just. It it's drives awful. me. It drives me nuts, and it's hard for me who I tried to have. I'm very meticulous about everything, and I tried to have organization for for everything, and it's it's very difficult for me to function in that kind of environment. I guess that's why when I was in the classroom, my classroom was always very clean, and we would—I just wouldn't allow students to have messy desks even within my <laughs> my classroom. But <laughs> teachers, just in general, are not the uh, the tidiest of folks. Uh, so let's get back to what we were talking about here. I wanted to ask you, uh, well, oh. about the uh, po- before we get my next point about the apologies potion so they can be a little more involved than we thought yes they have a long long list of ingredients to get and some of them are in like the student supply closet yep like science, closet. science closet yep. where the students are allowed to just go and get stuff but some of it is more rare ingredients and more monitored i guess ingredients mm-hmm. so they don't have access to that stuff and even some of the stuff they do have access to has to be like picked at uh, twilight or something like that. Like or pickled. Like... I thought it had to be pickled at twilight. <laughs> pickled under the full moon. Oh my goodness. Okay. I don't know why it had to be pickled. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, it I did. maybe I misread that. I thought they had to like go out and like pick it from the I ground. And I thought it was pickled, but and I, mean, I could have misread it too. Something that had to like ferment for a month or something yeah. like that. So it's going to be a while before they can get to this. I think I think they said it would, the soonest, if everything goes according to plan, the soonest that they could brew this polyjuice potion up would be about a month. And we are in a situation here where we need to get some answers in quick because lives could be on the line and we may have to wait a month or so in order for 
uh, this plan to come to fruition. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, there's an, a bit of an evolving of the Hermione Granger character in this chapter. Picked at the full moon. You're right. Oh. I don't know why I had to be pickled. Ten points for ten points for Hufflepuff. Yep. I told you I read. You do read. I read. I try. But I wanted to ask you about kind of the evolution of Hermione. <laughs> We've kind of seen it a little mm. bit over the, like the the first half of the of the first book, and then also like the first half of this book, since we're about halfway through. Mm-hmm. But especially in this chapter, it's really evident because. Once we see how in-depth this plan is going to be and how it could... There's so many ways that it could potentially go bad. The boys are on the fence about the plan now, but Hermione's the one who really refuses to change course and is kind of talking the boys into a little bit of mischief here. I think the boys are kind of getting sick of getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like, we even, you know, just... <clears throat> Sorry, they're like second guessing everything, like you said, and they're like, "This is gonna—we're breaking a lot of rules. There's a lot of ways this can go wrong." They're just—I think they're kind of sick of getting into trouble, and um, but Hermione's really driven by this because it's the Muggleborns that are mm-hmm. being targeted. She feels like she's in danger. That she feels like this is coming directly at her, so she's willing to do more than it seems they are. So, do you think that that is? A direct result of the situation that she finds herself in with the Chamber of Secrets and the Muggleborns, or do you think it's a, a a combination of maybe her kind of showing some more of that inner Gryffindor bravery as she's getting older? Do you think it's Hermione kind of evolving into more of a, a take charge kind of character, or do you think it's just her personal investment in this uh, situation? I think it's a little bit of both. I think with the first year and hanging out with the boys, she kind of figured out that breaking the rules isn't the end of the world. Nothing horrible actually happened. I mean, they did get punished for some things, but other things they got rewarded for. You know, they went through <laughs> the trap door and saved the day and did broke all these horrible rules, but, you know, they got rewarded for it at the end. We used magic on Neville, and Neville got ten points for it! Woohoo! Um, so, I think she's seeing that it's not the end of the world if she breaks a rule the world the world isn't as black as black and white as she yeah there are reasons to break them that you know are makes it justified and for her this is one of those reasons i think mostly this particular incident is because she feels threatened and she feels attacked because she makes a comment about okay fine let's just let it attack all the muggleborns you know you don't you not at, you're not at risk, but I am. You don't understand, and and so I really think that's what most of this is. So she's starting to kind of see that there are sometimes where you need to operate in that gray area in order to get things done. Yes. Is that a is that a Gryffindor trait? Do you think overall, or do you think that that's specific to, for example, do you think that there are the majority of Gryffindors out there would kind of feel the same way, you know, given the traits that they possess to be placed in Gryffindor. Do you think that that is a kind of a common, common thought that they might have? You know, sometimes you, it's, 
it's not all about you know breaking rules and not breaking rules sometimes you have to kind of push boundaries a little bit sometimes you have to kind of step on some toes to get things done maybe but not more than i can say it's more definitely than not a hufflepuff other, well, okay. thing <laughs> so i'm thinking i've went through all of them like okay. obviously slytherin is gonna do whatever it takes any to means get, necessary yeah any yeah. means necessary so black white gray purple they don't care let's let's be honest there's no i mean it's more to the yeah. Negative side than, than anything else. They kind of went right past the gray area. They might still have like a, a, a toe left in the gray area, but. Some Slytherins are not so bad. Oh, like our friend Kelly, Kelly. in Manhattan? Yes, don't upset Kelly. Kelly's awesome. I'm going to get a, a text uh, message about how mean we are you to can, Slytherin. You can follow the uh, <clears throat> uh, continued adventures of Kelly and Posh the Wonder Dog as they traverse Central the Park and. Manhattan, yeah. All of the parks in Manhattan. I can't wait to go up there and hang out at the hang parks. Hang out, yeah. That sounds. That seems awesome. So, I like I said, all, get an Instagram. all all uh, Slytherins aren't aren't evil. We know that. Um, Just buzzing chops. I think Ravenclaw too. You know, if if it meant learning or figuring something out or solving a mystery, they're gonna kind of break the rules too. So. I don't think that it's strictly a Gryffindor thing, that they're brave enough to do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I was getting at. But that, I mean, that is definitely one of their qualities. Gotcha. Uh, First Quidditch match of the year. Is it? Right? Yeah. First first one of the Because to this point, we've just been We've just been been training in the rain. Yeah. And the mud. And there's going to be more rain involved. Apparently, it's rain season. Apparently, Hogwarts is in Seattle, Washington. It just rains every day. No, it's in... It's in Scotland. Uh, last time I checked, Scotland was in a suburb of Seattle, Washington. Oh. I will have an intern look it up. I'm not a geography teacher or anything like that. I didn't know that it was in Scotland. And I took some quiz recently, and I got the question wrong. And I think it's in Scotland. And I was like, I thought it was in England. I thought it was... Interesting. Nope. The quiz said Scotland. Well, either... Uh, Either you've been living a lie all these years, or the the quiz has well, misled you. It's it's a quiz on my game. Oh. Yeah, I'm a little. I gotta tell the I gotta tell the listeners. I'm a little overloaded on Harry Potter right now mm. because I just listened to the chamber or the the Sorcerer's Stone on audiobook with a friend at work while we were working on a big project, and so I just listened to that, and then I'm playing the Hogwarts Mysteries game. And my character and her friends have to brew polyjuice potion to fool somebody. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of starting to jumble up. I've been working on a lot of Harry Potter uh, crafting projects lately mm-hmm. in anticipation for the big Harry Potter event at the St. Louis Science Center. Woohoo! Um, again, again, this is 2018, so if you're listening to this in 2020, uh, you, you missed, missed it. it. <laughs> yeah, you There's probably it. another one coming up, though. They do one like every <laughs> year. So just check the calendar. So we start off the Quidditch season with kind of the biggest matchup we can have, which is Gryffindor versus Slytherin. And Slytherin with the Malfoy as their new secret. Does it say the new and improved Slytherin? Yeah. Well, in, in, <laughs> improved equipment. Yes. Definitely with the new brooms that Malfoy's family has graciously bought for the Slytherin. Maybe not improved in the roster because... <laughs> Little Draco Malfoy seems to have bought his way onto the team. This is true, but we don't remember anything good about the previous Seeker. So, 
Maybe uh, he was that awful. That was uh, John uh, Johansson. I I don't think so. He was above average, but oh. um, okay. nothing nothing to write home well, about. Well, Harry beat him on his first try. Everybody, his first year, well, he's the chosen know? one, or he beats everybody. There's no shame in losing to Harry Potter to, to the chosen one. <laughs> but they're equipped with new brooms, and I wanted to ask you about the kind of the change in Oliver Wood in this chapter because we get a very aggressive pep talk from Oliver Wood and you know Oliver in the in the chapters leading up to this has been more focused on winning this year with the early morning practices and practicing before way before the season starts and practicing in, in all types of weather but we get kind of a different aggressive side of Oliver in the pep talk can you speak to that yeah he's I think he's a little bitter you know he thought they had it in the bag last year and then Harry had to go off and save the, the world Harry had to go fight the foil the the dark lords <laughs> the, return. the embodiment of evil in the dungeons of the uh, and castle. get himself hurt mm-hmm. and not how be able he? to play how dare he and they couldn't uh they couldn't do it without him Oh, so you can't fight the Dark Lord and still make your Quidditch match? Okay, chosen one. Priorities. But anyway, I mean, if you make a commitment, you need to. Yeah. You need to. I sit agree. And do it. Yeah, you gotta show up. And we, as we know, there's no substitutes on the Quidditch team. <laughs> I don't understand. They, they, they even, don't even let you grab. There's a nobody rant. else that wants to play. No, none. <laughs> Just the ex- every year we have the exact number of people that we need. <laughs> Nobody else is allowed to to play. What would they have done last year if Harry didn't get special permission to be a first year to to play? They wouldn't have had a seeker. They would have found some. No, they wouldn't. They would have had tryouts. You can't find. You know, they don't have tryouts. They do. No. Later in later books, there there are tryouts. Well, so they realized the folly of their ways and said, "You know what? <laughs> With all the crazy stuff I that think, happens at this school, I think it's actually after what is gone. <laughs> might be, might not be a bad idea to to have a couple of people in reserve, you know, just to kind of throw in there, guys at the end of the bench. Yeah. So I think I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head what year Wood is in, but I'm thinking he's getting up there and he's he wants to win this cup at least once before he graduates. Yeah. You know, he's put in all these years. He's put in all this time. Slytherin's won. What do they say like the past seven years. Yeah. So you know he hasn't gotten he hasn't won once. Kind of like the New England Patriots. And he thought he had it. Oh God, you're really trying to make Kelly mad. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly. Um. So he's put in all this time and all this work, and he thought he had it in the bag last year, and it got taken away at the last minute. So this year, it's do or die. Literally, that's Literally, what he said. Literally, that's what he, yeah, that's what he, he said. said Get the snitch or die trying, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And one of the Weasley twins, my you know, heroes, who is who are always kind of there to if so if things are getting a little too serious, they can kind of you know bring Lighten it down it a little bit and and kind of you know let everybody know that okay guys, but you know let's let's have fun out there too. Yeah. And it's funny, I really, especially reading it again this time going slower i really love fred and george mm-hmm. 
everybody thinks they're just these goof-off pranksters that never take anything seriously. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, they're the voice of reason. Right. Yes, they might be saying it in a fun way or whatever, but they're the ones who are stepping up and making sure Harry's safe. They really stepped out there. up in this chapter. And, mm-hmm. and they're the voice of reason. It right. just doesn't I, seem to fit. I mean, could you imagine with what Oliver Wood is saying, if you were somebody like Harry who already feels bad about what happened last year and now he's got all this pressure on him and after Wood has, has already said, well, they've got better brooms than us and they've got this and they've got this, but we've got our will. You know, it's it's kind of puts a lot of pressure on a young man who is technically in, if we don't count the extenuating circumstances from last year, he's technically a rookie. Because this is really should be his first year. Yeah. But he kind of didn't get a full year last year. And he kind of got thrust into stuff, it. But last year, but you know, credit to Fred and George for kind of you know breaking through the tension there and kind of helping Harry. I think bring some levity to it and kind of help him relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about what they do later on in the chapter, because like you said, they're for the reputation that they get. They are. You know, two of the more uh, heroic, I think, characters in this book, underrated heroism in this book. At our talk. Or in in, the common thing, mm -hmm. that was my underrated, was those two, because they really do step up a lot. Are you talking about the insanely successful 20th anniversary Harry Potter panel at St. Louis Comic Con? Yes, I am. Oh, yeah, that was uh, insanely successful. Was. It was excellent. Standing room only. It was. Uh, so the match begins, and Harry is basically kind of going with his normal strategy, which is to stay up high, kind of above the action. You know, he's kind of peering down, kind of, you know, using the... Struggling because uh, it's raining. Yeah, the eagle eye to kind of yeah. zone in. Yeah, it's it's hard to see, but that's worked for him in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of... St- and, mm-hmm. and I think the, the rest of the team kind of... You know, said to do that in the first season. Yeah. You know, don't worry about the bludgers. Don't worry about scoring. Stay don't, up high. Stay yeah. out of the mix. Watch for it. Then grab it. And look for That's the snitch. That's their strategy. But then all of a sudden, a bludger comes uh, whizzing by his head. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was just an errant hit at yep. first. You know, because it can happen. Yep. But when it gets hit away, but I, I, I forget which one of the Weasley boys it was, smacks it away and says, you know, that almost got you, Harry. Watch out. That was a terrible Weasley voice, by the way. <laughs> Hello! Hello, Harry! Stay up there and stay out of the way! Yeah, that was... That I, don't, was I don't think they sound anything no, like that. No, not at all. That was awful. Uh, British voices are hard, by the way. Mm-hmm. Anytime I do a British voice, I just end up like, sounding like the Beatles. Uh-huh. Oh, Harry, stay, stay out of the way. <laughs> just sound like the Beatles, which, you know, are from Liverpool, but not the classic British uh, accent. Uh, so we thought it was an Aaron hit at first, but then when it gets hit away, the bludger boomerangs back straight at Harry. So it seems like we cannot get through a Quidditch game without magical shenanigans involving Mr. Potter. Uh, magical shenanigans threatening Harry's life. Right. Not right. just no. shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah. Your shenanigans are sad and tragic, or something like Cruel. that. Uh, so the rain's falling; it's hard to see, 
And like you said, like you kind of alluded to earlier, Fred and George have to kind of sandwich Harry Potter on either side of him just to protect him from the bludger that is incessantly attacking him. At, right. Every time he gets smacked away, it gets like magnetically attracted back to Harry. And bludgers, it's even said in the chapter that bludgers do not focus on a single character, a single, single, single person. Yeah, they 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 attack everybody. Right, to do as much damage as they can. So this is obviously some something going on here. You know, there's something awry. I think the the teams in a second we'll talk about when they call a timeout and kind of talk about that somebody's jinxed it or somebody's uh, put a spell on it or something like that, but there's really nothing you can do. You can call for an inquiry, but then that means you Forfeit yeah, they the game. They forfeit like the game that. until they can decide, look into it. The which, which, does, which I don't know. I guess watching sports for thirty something years that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like if the other team was was if cheating. You watch American sports. Though. Ah, that's true. This is different. That's true. Okay, point taken. But Fred and George <laughs> have to kind of, you know, uh, Girl Scout cookie. Uh, uh, Harry Potter here because like uh, there's I'm just envisioning like one you know on each side with their uh, uh, what are the uh, sticks called beater, Be- beater uh, yeah. sticks are they just called beaters I thought the position was called the beater yeah they're beaters so they're beaters club? and they hold the beater no it's a club we'll know. have an intern look it up we Kelly! don't we don't know anything about Harry Potter we don't. so. Uh, shame yeah. on you for subscribing to the, to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so they're they're protecting Harry, but this leaves the Gryffindor team at a severe disadvantage because when three of your players are effectively taken out of the game, there's really no way you're already at a disadvantage because of the, the quality of the are equipment. Faster. Absolutely. Now that three of your players are effectively taken out of the game, they're just trying to keep the, the bludger from killing Harry. And so we call a timeout and kind of catch our breath, breath and assess what is going on here. This is the bat. The bat. The beater's bat. Oh, okay. So I guess we're not as... We were uh, looking for a special name. Removed from no. magical reality as we thought we were? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about more of the the out of character antics that we see from Oliver and during the timeout because this is not the same Oliver that we saw last book you know we've this is a different Oliver Wood at the beginning of this book it was a different Oliver Wood at the pep talk and it was really to the point during the the timeout that the Weasley boys were took great offense to some of the things that Oliver was suggesting. Yeah, it didn't seem like anybody but the Weasleys, and I guess they are in charge of the Bludgers, so that that would mean they'd have to pay more attention to what the Bludgers were doing, but it didn't seem like anybody else even realized what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they were, of course, focusing on their task of trying to score points with the Quaffle and, and protect the, the hoops and whatnot. But, yeah, they were really kind of mad that they weren't helping out there's an, there's another bludger going around hitting people, mm-hmm. and I guess they hit one of their other players, and and so Oliver was mad mm-hmm. that they weren't doing their job right. 
But even when they explain the situation to him, Oliver says, let Harry handle it Mm -hmm. on his own. And I think it was George who gets pretty upset about that. You know, that saying that we weren't focused on the game because this bludger is trying to kill Harry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to not only seriously, you know, injure him, break his nose. I think they, they said it could do even more damage than that, especially the way that it's acting. Mm -hmm. And Oliver says, Harry could handle it. He's fine. You know, just let him take care of it. We need you on in in the game. So it's almost like he's more focused on winning than he is the the well-being of his players, which seems out of character for him. Yes. But to Harry, that's what Harry wants. Granted, Harry's a rookie, he's mm. a second-year student, whatever. But this is what he says. So it's not totally Oliver. He kind of says, mm, well, that's what Harry said. That's what I want. That's what we're going with. I was going to ask you that, too, because Harry, ba- Harry backs this up. Mm-hmm. Harry, and, and why do you think he has that response to it? Do you think he still feels bad about what happened last year? Do you think it, he feels bad about the fact that seemingly every time he gets on the field or on the pitch, something happens that kind of negatively impacts his team? Do you think it's just a, a inner sense to have to prove himself? What do you think it, it is? I think it is a little bit of, I got to make up for last year and the pressure of winning it for the team. I mean, essentially, that's their plan. You just get the snitch and so we win. Like, the rest of the, what the rest of them do doesn't matter. They're just going to buy time until Harry can find the snitch and win. Mm-hmm. Win, win the game. But, um, so I think it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of he feels guilty. He feels the pressure. He wants to be the hero, too. But I think it's also a little bit that, at this point, they believe that Malfoy somehow did this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also he doesn't want to not lose to Malfoy, but let Malfoy get him. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I want to... I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to do it because otherwise somebody's got to save me and then Malfoy will laugh at me again. And I think that's part of it too. So Harry's doing all kinds of Cirque du Soleil acrobatics at this point when they come out of the timeout just to stay alive. And he's taunted by, by Malfoy during this whole process. And Malfoy does not even notice that the golden snitch is hovering right above his left ear because he's so focused on being the bully and and teasing his mortal enemy that he could have easily just reached his arm up grabbed a snitch and been a hero and won the game to the to the slytherin team but he's so focused on being a bully and so focused on being a, a negative person that he lets that cloud his mind and he, he kind of just focuses on one thing so just then, Harry was also distracted by not only Malfoy's teasing and the snitch that was hovering near his ear. Harry gets nailed by a bludger, and it shatters his right arm. I mean, just kind of sounds just to me like a gruesome injury. They were talking about his arm was just dangling there. It was just useless. It was kind of just along for the ride. But Harry, undeterred, 
focuses through the pain and dart toward the snitch. What does this tell us about just the unrelenting will of Harry Potter? Is it just he has... Is, it kind of goes back to what you said before. Does he feel like he needs to, to make up for something? Does it, it feel like he doesn't want to let Malfoy get the best of him? Is it just something he has inside of him that we've seen ever since he was a little boy and uh, you know was able to, quote-unquote, fight off the Dark Lord? What is it about the, the unrelenting will of Harry Potter? I think it's a little bit of everything that you just said. Um, also the fact that they it's been explained to him a lot that Quidditch is a dangerous sport. It's kind of expected. These things happen. So I think that's also too in the back of his mind. Yep, I got hit by the bludger. But other people get hit by bludgers and they keep playing and they keep going. Um, you know, they Oliver was complaining that their their players were getting hit by the other bludger. So... I think it's all part of it. All just kind of snowballs. Plus, at that moment, he's particularly hyped up because he saw the snitch. Winning is within his grasp. And Malfoy was just making fun of him. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of everything balled up. And then he... Kind of uh, magical adrenaline <clears throat> took over magical a little adrenaline. bit. Magical adrenaline, yep. Yeah, I... There is something to be said for... You know, kind of overcoming... I mean, never to the point of like a shattered arm or anything like that, but... Um, you know, I broke my thumb and my wrist in uh, playing basketball in, in high school in, in the first quarter of a game. And, you know, I, I sat out for about five minutes and, and iced it up. And I felt like the more I sat there, the more it hurt. And if I could just get back into the game, I wouldn't think about it because my brain would be focused on so many other things. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing the rest of the game with a broken <coughs> thumb and a broken wrist. Because I think, you know, adrenaline kind of took over and, you know, you kind of get your mind thinking about other things. Like when you're in pain, they say, you know, imagine yourself on a beach and, you know, just kind of, you know, refocusing the mind, which, you know, which is also a muscle in itself. And I think there's there's a little bit of that in here, too. You know, just the fact that he's got his brain is working on a thousand different scenarios for getting that snitch and overcoming Malfoy, that, that, that probably helps mass some of the pain a little bit too. But we see what happens at the, at the end of the game when, he fi- when that adrenaline wears off and uh, he's eventually going to pass out. So let's get to that point. Harry uh, lunges for the snitch. He grabs it. Of course, anytime he grabs a snitch, Jess... He falls off his broom, but that's not exactly <laughs> what happened every, here. Every time. He's got a shattered arm, so he's only got one hand to hang on to the broom. So if he takes that hand off to catch the snitch, he's off balance. Plus, yes. he was in the middle of the spectacular dive. Of course. So of course, he, he always is. Splats he's splats on the, into the mud. Here in, here in St. Louis, we remember uh, the legendary Jim Edmonds, who would catch the ball and then dive. Sometimes just to make it make it look good, I think Harry kind of uh, is being a little overdramatic with Not this a little this bit. Time. Do you think that there? Because one time is an accident, you know, twice or more. Now we've got a pattern here. It seems that Harry cannot go for the snitch without diving off of his broom. Do you think he ever goes for the snitch and misses, and then has to? Uh, get back on the broom and then fly back up into the air. No. No. The, both of these times were um, 
there were circumstances. Okay. You can't call them isolated incidents. No, incidents if no, there are but more than one. things tend to happen to Harry. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, things tend to happen to Harry, and um, and then other things happen. That's I just think how just, it goes. I think he's just it's doing just it, it to to no. make the the Sports Center highlights. No, not this time. Okay. If but, you had a shattered arm, you would not want to crash to the to the to the ground. But last time it was just to make the highlights. No. <laughs> last time. And then the was next. It, it was his first time I, ever. He, I can't wait till this happens again. I know it's going to happen again. I know it is. We've got we've got five and a half more books left. I know it's going to happen again. <laughs> Game over. Gryffindor overcomes the enchanted bludger. They overcome the. Rain. They overcome the superior brooms, uh, brooms uh, equipment of the Slytherin team. And Harry, after the adrenaline wears off with the snitch in his hand, he's victorious. He passes out from the pain yes. and the entire or- ordeal. To me, uh, when I was reading this, I guess the uh, immediate drama of the game ending and the injury, it, it made me forget about the title of the chapter for a while which was the rogue bludger and i didn't even think about oh you know what why was that bludger acting so weird i i had forgotten about it until about five or six pages later when it gets brought up oh that's what that's why it happened i guess i just got so caught up in the game (laughs) that i kind of forgot oh there was another focus here in the chapter is that that bludger was was acting strange. Yes. And it's kind of like the first time when Harry gets this miraculous win despite the fact that his broom was being hexed by the embodiment of evil and his lackey. We we kind of, you know, pushed past that a little bit. We kind of just, oh, well, it was Snape. He was being a jerk. Mm-hmm. We you just know. leave it at that. Right. We just kind of left it at that. Um, we also got to mention here, everybody's around, circled around Harry, either cheering because he won the game or, oh, look at his arm, except for the Weasleys. They're still wrestling the bludger right. and getting it put away right. safely so that it can't hurt any, you know, Harry. I forgot anymore. about that. They're over there wrestling with the bludger. Yeah. You guys celebrate. We'll make sure. Everything's our, taken care yeah, of. Yeah. Everything's taken care of and our buddies. But safe. we're just pranksters. Don't take us seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're uh, very underrated, like you said. Very underrated. I mean, just from watching the movies, because that's all you did, you wouldn't mm. have had any clue Mm-mm. that they were like this in the very, books. Well, a lot deeper character development for Fred and George in the books than I was originally exposed to in in the video games and in the... You know, because in the movies and the video game, it's just like, oh, you know, they're just pulling tricks on each other. Oh, that's fake vomit. Oh, that's... Yeah, uh, they just kind of pop up, do their joke. We like fireworks and candy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fireworks and candy. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. I think that's going to be the new (laughs) t-shirt for (laughs) Broomsticks and Butterbear. Hashtag hashtag, uh, fireworks and candy. Uh, So, first face that Harry sees when he comes to Gilderoy Lockhart. And who's hovering over him, ready to perform a charm to fix Harry's arm. And as we know in this book, things with Lockhart when it comes to magic haven't gone that great this year, have they? No. No. I mean, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> what if we asked uh, Hermione? Then everyone makes mistakes sometimes. Let him fix your arm, Harry. It'll be fine. <laughs> Swoon. 
I'll get, get to the the fallout of this, but when Lockhart tries to fix the arm, we could have easily just taken him to the infirmary, where we know we can repair horribly broken bones in a matter of hours. You Seconds. Know, we, yeah, it, we've seen Minutes. it in the past. I'm pretty sure she said... Just a matter. Who was the? Uh, was it uh, Neville that fell off the broom in the at, at the first flying class in the first yeah, book? Yeah, and he broke his wrist. Yeah, and then he was. I mean, he was back. You know, hundred percent the next day. Yeah, I think, or or a couple of days later. Well, Lockhart uh, did his charm, and nothing seems to go exactly the way that he wants it to be just based on the small samples that we've it's, had in this book it stops hurting though it did stop hurting uh the the broken bone stopped hurting because lockhart removed the bones yes. from harry's body they're not there instead anymore. of fixing them and they were comparing it to like a like a so, like a something with like a rubber, a glove, rubber glove on yeah. the end. <laughs> His arm looked like a rubber glove. So it just looks like a gelatinous mess like kind of flapping around and he said he felt like his arm was deflating mm. so again i'm thinking it's a little flat fantastic deflated arm so we're at the infirmary and this is the uh, the next part i wanted to ask you about madam pomfrey is very upset oh she mad at the actions of of lockhart yes and this is not the first professor at hogwarts to have these feelings about gilderoy lockhart no. If you uh, talk about the uh, professor does the plants. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the professor that does the plants. Something to do with plants. Head of your house. Uh, give me some think music. Thinking music. Sprout. And I got that without looking up or you anything. You didn't look right? on okay. anything. Nope. I just, just needed. Just I just needed the. Uh, just needed the think music. Some quiet time, yeah. So uh, Professor Sprout was upset when Lockhart was trying to kind of step on her toes about repairing the the Whomping Willow. Mm-hmm. Were there? Oh, there was you know, uh, Snape when uh, when we were talking about the uh, uh, the cat that was petrified. Uh, Lockhart said that he could brew up a potion for it, and Snape kind of snapped at him and said that... <laughs> Snape snapped. <laughs> Snape snapped at him and said that, I am the potion master at Hogwarts. This is not the first Hagrid. professor. He annoyed Hagrid. He did. When he t- tried to t- t- teach him how to take care of magical creatures. So is this kind of just everybody's feelings about Professor Lockhart? Is everybody, all of the other professors there outside of say Dumbledore have these this negative impression of him I'm sure Dumbledore's aware too but <laughs> um I think anytime there's somebody who struts around pretending to know everything about everything you're gonna agitate people especially people who are considered you know the top of their field these are the 
you know, like Snape was the potions master. He's there to educate everyone about potions, and here's Lockhart being like, I can do that. He's stepping on a lot of toes. You Ravenclaws. (laughs) You Ravenclaws. Jess told me off air that uh, Lockhart was a Ravenclaw. Yes, he is. Well, he has written many books. Lots of books. He knows things. And he likes to... uh, Things, certain things, some things. Prove that he's smarter than everybody, which sounds either like a Slytherin or a Ravenclaw. You know, he doesn't also seem like he... He seems a little more fanciful and kind of... um, What's the word? Uh, Kind of aloof than uh, plottingly evil, if that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) Yeah. So if it if it was Maybe. down to Ravenclaw or Maybe. or Slytherin, I would I would kind of lean lean toward the Ravenclaw. But you Ravenclaws always trying to think you know better than everybody else, just because you read a bunch of books and write a bunch of books. And because we read books, we know things. Okay, yeah, you do know some things. So uh, Madame Pomfrey is not very happy about uh, Professor Lockhart's actions. She can fix Harry's arm, but it's gonna hurt. And that's where the Skelligro, I believe, yes. comes, in, comes into uh, account. Uh, apparently, it's uh, Harry said it tasted awful. Burned. And, yeah. And apparently, it is going to regrow, I think she said, 32 bones or something in his arm. And he's in for a long night. Long night. That is a, Lots of pain. Despite the magic. Uh, so they don't have like magical morphine or anything like that, something to take the edge off? I guess not. Not in this case. Some things, some things don't mix. So oh, that's maybe true. Maybe can't. Yeah. There's no uh, Merck manual for our phys- physician's uh, desk reference for uh, the magical world. Maybe. Maybe she's got one copy on her desk. Maybe it's in the restricted section. J.K. Rowling's listening to this right now. She's like, ding, or cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> I could write that. I could write that and sell that. She's swimming in her Scrooge McDuck uh, vault of money, looking for new uh, uh, financial branches to go off onto. Well, she's a little busy right now with a new movie coming out. Uh, the movie's done. She's just promoting. She'll be fine. Is there another one after that, though? She's got, she's I'm got sure, stuff on I'm her plate. Sure. She's got stuff on her plate. I'm sure she's pounding away on those scripts, making that cache. So, two, we're kind of wrapping up the chapter here, but... After Harry has gone through all of this drama and he's in the infirmary, it kind of seems like that would be the end of his troubling day. But two main incidents happen in the infirmary at the end of the chapter. Number one, we get the reappearance of somebody that I had kind of forgotten about. This is what I wanted to yell out when I was reading the chapter, but... You were a little ahead of me. I, yeah. Well, I didn't know where you were at. You right. said you'd read some of the chapter, but you hadn't read all of the chapter. And then I was sitting there reading, and I was wanted to scream out. That Dobby shows Dobby! back up. We, I had forgotten about... So much has gone on since we've seen Dobby last... We had this book feels a lot longer than it is. Right. I know we had some time off there because mm-hmm. I was sick and And you're still coughing. Yeah, I'm by still the way. coughing. It's been it's, like six months. It's not been six months, it's like two months. Oh, it's been longer than that. Three? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I've coughed so much I've coughed brain cells out of <laughs> my body. Probably. So <laughs> coughing has made me dumber. Yeah, time off we were doing a lot of traveling and we were I was coughing and so we had a little bit of break. 
some breaks there, but it still feels like there's a lot in this book. It feels a lot longer than it actually is. So if you remember Dobby from the beginning of the book, he was going out of his way to commit uh, federal fraud by federal uh, ta- wizarding fraud? Ta- tampering with uh, Harry Potter's mail in order to uh, keep him from, uh, make him think that he didn't have any friends and keep him from going back to Hogwarts this year in an effort to, he said, protect him. It's very important that Harry Potter does not go back to Hogwarts in order for him to be protected. And we find out that Harry is like a hero to Dobby and not just Dobby, but kind of the downtrodden uh, in general, in the wizarding world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we kind of talked to that a, a lot bit. more. We found a lot more. Ugh, can't talk. We found out a lot more about house elves in this part. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he gets Dobby explains a little bit more. You know that after the downfall of you know who, you not know, must not be named. Who, who's who? Are we talking about Voldemort? Ah! <laughs> that life got better for for everyone. Mm-hmm. It was. You know, when Voldemort was in charge, it was kind of just okay to do bad things. Mm-hmm. And so once he was gone and everything got better and some house elves, the treatment of house elves was different. Not for Dobby, he says. His life is still pretty bad. But the rest of the community of house elves, they are generally treated better now. Mm-hmm. And so they all kind of worship and celebrate Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's such an important thing that Harry be safe. Harry should not be at Hogwarts because bad things are going to happen. Harry needs to be protected. And Dobby's way of protecting is uh, doesn't sit, hasn't sat very well <laughs> with Harry. Yeah. We find out that Dobby was the one who kept him from getting on the train. Mm-hmm. And that was a mystery that we hadn't really solved. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just got forgotten, too. I totally forgot about it. Totally <laughs> forgot about it. He's like, well, I wish you would just go home after you missed the train. And Harry's like, how do you know I missed the train? Do- oh, well. Dobby! Dobby closed the portal. Bad Dobby! Bad Dobby! <laughs> I smashed myself with this water jug. And then, um, yeah, we, then we find out that... Dobby was the one responsible for the bludger, mm-hmm. which the kids had all decided was Draco somehow. Oh, yeah. Even though it didn't seem logical that it was too much magic for Draco, somehow it was Draco. Do you do you ever? Okay, this is gonna be a weird question. Okay. Do you ever feel sorry for Draco? <laughs> <laughs> I know the easy answer is no, because he's just—I mean, he's just a bad little kid. But he gets. Everything blamed on him by the Gryffindors and probably the Hufflepuffs, too. No, because I think that if... You brought it on yourself, boy! No, I think that if somebody said, you're the one who did that bludger, he'd be... He wouldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. He, he wishes he was the one who mm-hmm. did that to the bludger. Yeah. He would take, oh, you're giving me credit, credit for, you, for that evil thing? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I must be awesome. Yeah. So... Yeah. No. All right. I just, no. I just, no. Just playing devil's advocate here. Not at this point, anyway. All right. So, like I said, we learned a lot about uh, Dobby in this chapter, but Harry cannot really get out of him 
what he wants. And I was kind of feeling the same way when I'm reading this chapter because I want to know more about the Chamber of Secrets. And Dobby knows these answers, mm-hmm. and he won't say it. And I was, I was almost like kind of wishing I was there just so I can kind of like shake it out of him. <laughs> he gets death threats all the time. That does nothing for him. <laughs> he even said that. Um, well, he does mention that it has been opened. Mm-hmm. That so that kind of gave Harry a little bit. And Harry said, "Oh, so it is real. It's real, and it's open." Mm-hmm. Um. We find out just a little more about the house elves and how they're treated. Oh, uh, we we get the first uh, mention of why Dobby is wearing the pillowcase. The the dirty, nasty, nasty that he keeps like blowing his nose on. Yes, because house elves are not allowed clothes. If they are given clothes by their masters, that Mm -hmm. is their sign that that they are freeing them. Yeah, right, setting them free. So they're careful not to accidentally even pass them. I think he said not even accidentally pass them a sock mm-hmm. or something like that. So uh, so house elves can't wear clothing right. unless they're free. Right. So that's where I think that was important to kind of... Uh, that, that's a point that kind of gets glossed over that I did remember from, from the movies uh, that will pop up somewhere down the line uh, without giving too much away. But Dobby quickly leaves because Dumbledore and McGonagall are coming up into the infirmary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming it's pretty late at night, maybe in the middle of the night. But they are not alone. They are each carrying one side of the petrified body of Mr. Colin Creevy. Yeah, Colin. A Harry Potter super fan who takes all of the, the pictures and kind of hangs on every activity that he does. And had been there taking pictures during the deflating of his arm. Mm-hmm. Despite Harry saying, I don't really want I don't uh, photographical this. evidence Colin, of this. Yeah. So Harry is pretending to be asleep and kind of listening to what's happening here. So he knows that the same thing that happened to Mrs. Norris, the petrification, if that's a word, uh, we'll have, our, we'll have an it. intern look it up. I'm going with it. I approve it. The same thing has happened to Colin Creevy. They thought that his camera is actually even still, like, stuck in his hands. Yeah. You know, uh, and and I think McGonagall even says, well, maybe he got it, or maybe it was Dumbledore. Maybe he got a picture of it. They go to open it up, open up the camera, and I think they said, like, it, all the film was melted. They realize, I don't know if that's significant, the melting of the film, is is significant i don't know if that has something to do with the chamber or not i'm kind of reading your face right now to see if there's any I'm kind of reaction you nothing but 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 poker face but but poker face they realize that <clears throat> this incident or whatever has happened here is <coughs> evidence that the chamber of secrets is open and it's not so much a question about who opened it but how did they do it so, do they know who? Dumbledore who? seems to know everything. Okay. Are we, are we, I didn't know if we were to assume that, that they know, well, I guess McGonagall wouldn't know because she asked Yeah, she who. asked who, and he said that it's not a question of who, but how. Exactly. He doesn't really clarify that for her or us, but Dumbledore seems to know who, but so, not how. And Harry's fi- found out a lot of things in the last five minutes. <laughs> He has. Chamber of Secrets is real. Chamber of Secrets is open. Somebody did it. 
in a way that is kind of perplexing even the greatest of wizards in Dumbledore. And we have our second petrified living being that we know about uh, being sent to the infirmary. The other thing he finds out that I totally forgot about kind of hit me hard. McGonagall mentions that she believes that Colin was on his way down to see Harry. So that makes this even harder for Harry. Mm -hmm. This is my fault. You know how he is. Everything is his fault. And so that's also going to make this a little bit more real to him. Whereas, you know, we were struggling at the beginning of the chapter where the boys were like, is it worth it? And Hermione's like, yes, it's worth it. You don't understand because you're not muggle-born. Now I think this is going to kind of hit it home, too, for Harry. Well, I have to find this out because we've got to find a way to keep this from happening because he's going to take the Colin thing as being his fault, too. Things are starting to move real quick in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. We're wrapping up Chapter 10. The Rogue Bludger. Uh, anything you want to add about the chapter or any kind of parallels, uh, things you, that you found interesting between the book and the movies, um, scenes that kind of stood out to you? I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I feel like they did a pretty good job with this chapter. I feel like all of the major beats are there. Of course, we don't show Fred and George quite so well as being the heroes. Do we see, uh, do you remember if we see Oliver Wood being... So intense. In I think this? so. Okay. Not to this extent, but sure. I think it's it's there. It's noted that just he probably being for more. for time constraints, mm-hmm. you can. Like do I don't a think they do the, the time out at all. It mm-hmm. just all keeps keeps going. <laughs> Warner Brothers says, "Ain't nobody got time for timeouts." Nope. Keep it rolling. Yep. Keep it moving. Um. No, I think they did a pretty good job with this part in the movie. Excellent. Well, I'm uh, excited that you know things are picking up here. Uh, excited to. We can't forget that we've still got the Polyjuice potion brewing. Uh, <laughs> I well, guess start. Yeah, yet. the plan uh, is brewing. Yes, there you go. The potion hasn't even begun to brew. They still gotta collect some things. And while this is happening, while we're apparently waiting a month for this to happen, uh, people are uh, getting a. On death's door here you know Colin Creevy and Mrs. Norris they're pretty sure that they can fix this petrification but we don't know for sure and what's Miss Norris doing right now she just, just snoozing I just, guess just chilling <laughs> just chilling I don't know if they uh, had gotten anything worked on no those mandrakes gotta, gotta mature ah, wait on the mandrakes. The mandrake. things take time Magic takes time. And those are the little ones that you take out of the pot and they scream, bloody murder, right? Yes. Okay. And once they get older, I guess you slaughter them and (laughs) make them into a potion. So many things that we so many things we take for granted in this children's book (laughs) as children's content. Uh, Like the we talked about Moni Myrtle in the last chapter. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, she was brutally murdered. (laughs) And uh, are we? And then she wanted to kill herself. Yeah. Oh. Can't even can't even kill myself because I'm already dead. I guess we don't know if she was brutally murdered or not. Yeah. Did they did they say? No, she. I didn't, no, we're I didn't not know. there yet. Okay, I don't know if she said drowned in the bath toilet or her <laughs> bathroom <laughs> toilet or something like that. No. Uh, we do know that she is suicidal and can't even do that because the poor young lady is already dead. And then we know she died as a child, as a kid too. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, fantastic. 
Um, hitting all the high notes, all the upbeat stuff. Um, why can't we just go back to, you know, having uh, Halloween parties and? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're growing up. Ten points for Gryffindor and all this, you know, good stuff. Everybody's happy, happy, joy, joy. It's not going to get any better because as no. as as we go along these books, we talked about it that as Harry and the and his friends grow, the the adult themes. And these books are going to grow as well. We're going to start seeing characters falling in love. Uh, we're going to, you know, we there's going to be death. There's we there's, talked about it at our at our death. insanely successful Harry Potter panel at St. Louis Comic Con. I forgot how many deaths I said are, were in these books, but it's hundreds, hundreds of deaths in these books. <laughs> hundreds of, of characters dying. So um, buckle up, folks. It's going to be really depressing, and we're going to. Fun still? No, we're not. No more fun. You're gonna really have to start making butterbeer for again for our recordings. We're gonna so need we can get we're, through it. We're gonna need something uh, to uh, give us incentive for this really depressing stuff that's coming up. <laughs> it's not that bad, and there's a lot of fun in between. So hop on the, the depression train, ladies and gentlemen. No, Dan Rhino no, and Jessica no, Rhino no, are no, 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 no. your conductors, and we're chugging you along. I'm shoveling the coal into the furnace. Is that how trains work? <laughs> yeah. We'll have a. If you know anything about trains, send us an email at broomsticks.butterbeer <laughs> at gmail.com. He's not going to read it. I read, I read them all. I read them all. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. Just look up Broomsticks and Butterbeer on Facebook. And uh, if you send us an email, uh, we might read it on the air. And if we really like it, we might even send you a t shirt. So, mm. how about that? Mm. Or we might have some new uh, t shirts coming soon too so uh just uh, candy and fireworks yeah uh no that's actually uh that's going to be uh mach three of the of the broomsticks and butterbeer t-shirts we're evolving uh we're evolving as as a podcast uh we're evolving as a uh, a married couple Um, i have your name tattooed on my finger now that that that's new new since last episode because uh, you got mad at me because I wouldn't wear my wedding ring. Because in cold weather it would fall off, and in hot weather it would strangle my finger. Yeah, yeah, that's how rings work. Yeah, and everybody wears them anyway. Well, I uh, took it a step further. So did you though, or did I do it for you? What do you mean? I mean, you paid for it and, as my anniversary gift and set it up. Uh, yeah, I'm the one who got the needle uh, <laughs> drug through my bloody <laughs> finger. Which is, uh, everybody says, did it hurt? I say, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it did. Yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to be a hero, pretend that things don't hurt. I think you're in Gryffindor or something? Oh, heavens no. Hufflepuff all the way. So uh, I think that's going to do it for uh, Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Thanks, everybody, for downloading, subscribing, listening, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those various platforms. We will be back next time with Chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So until then, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft 
and I've got no defense for it.